When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Best of five. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Monday, October 30th, otherwise known as one day before Halloween, but really otherwise known as we're a day before Coca's birthday. Best of five is where we are in the World Series. After all of the months and days and games and ups and downs and highs and lows, this is it. We're down to the end. Five games, three in Arizona, two in Texas, and one of those teams is going to win the World Series. The World Series that everybody said, who's going to watch? What's going to be fun about it? Who wants these teams in it? The TV networks don't, the fans don't, the executives don't, the players don't. Except the people in the know, like you, realized that it's going to be an amazing series. And so far it has been. That game one walk-off home run by Adolis Garcia. Do you remember the last time there was a walk-off? 2018. The pitcher was the same guy, Nathan Avaldi. Nathan Avaldi was pitching for the Red Sox. He was the reliever, the starter who went in to relieve that game. Did like 97 pitches, that amazing performance by the Red, by the Red Sox pitcher in extra innings, and then gave up that walk-off finally after like a seven-hour game to Max Muncy, back before Ghost Runners and before, although there's no Ghost Runners in postseason play. So it was a walk-off home run. It was pretty amazing, and it was only made possible Because in the ninth inning, the closer for the Diamondbacks, the former Mariners closer, traded at the deadline, Seawald, you'll recognize him, he blew a save for the first time in the postseason. Corey Seager hit a tying two-run home run. All this happened in the first game. Arizona was this close. If you're not watching on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, my fingers are very close to each other. That close to being up 1-0. But the Rangers win, and everyone said, that's it. Rangers sweep. Rangers are better. What a great victory. And all I kept saying is that's not correct. When you win on a walk-off because you required to tie it in a bottom-of-the-ninth home run, you're really fighting against some serious odds. The Diamondbacks had game one. So the Diamondbacks left game one feeling good, except all the pundits out there, if you could listen to certain people within all the commercials that you watch of them, everyone is saying how great it is. The Rangers dominate. It's the Diamondbacks who leave game one. If I lose game one, like they lost game one, I'm going to that clubhouse, I'm going back to the hotel before game two, and I'm feeling great. We came to Texas to win one one out of two, And we're good. We almost had that one. We'll get them tomorrow. And tomorrow, they got them, which was yesterday, two days ago, Saturday. Saturday, what a day. Thought it was the 4th of July. 
the Diamondbacks crushed 9-1. to Jordan Montgomery, for all the Yankee fans who... I wonder whether Yankee fans root for him to win or root for him to lose. It was the Harris Bader Jordan Montgomery trade that you traded Montgomery to the Cardinals. The Cardinals then traded him to Texas at the deadline. And so the question is, what do you do? Executives all tell you, oh, we uh we root for everyone we trade to do well. And I've told you when I was president, I would say, Oh, I never even look at the players I've traded. I don't even pay attention to what they do. Of course, now you know the truth, which is of course we all look. Every executive looks. That's like saying players don't look at the standings or they don't look at their own stats. Oh, I didn't know I would have a triple-double. Really? Of course you did. There's 29,000 assistants telling you where you are. So Montgomery's pitching game two, looking for the mini sweep, going up 2-0. The Diamondbacks didn't care. They were down 2-0 to the Philadelphia Phillies in the LCS. It's such a great thing when you're managing a team that has that level of resilience that is able to be down 2 nothing on the road and then come back and win a series. So no fear. House money, an expression that's overused but very true. When a team feels loose, they perform. Tight sphincters are very tough on performance levels in myriad ways. So what happens in game two? Montgomery gets nicked up, gives up some runs, pitches not terribly at all. Meanwhile, for the Diamondbacks, Merrill Kelly, the guy who said that Miami's louder than Philadelphia, everyone hated. All the Philadelphia fans were all over Kelly. Thank you very much for that, Merrill. Took the heat off me. They're all over him. He comes out and absolutely shoves during game two. Gets through seven innings, unhittable, using all of his pitches. Game two, an absolute blowout. So here we are, tied at one. And what is the top story of this World Series? I hope it's Marte. Marte is the leadoff hitter. Sometimes hits in the two-hole, depending righty-lefty. Cattell Marte, the longest-tenured Arizona Diamondback. The reason why he should be on the tip of your tongue is he has an 18-game postseason hitting streak. Do you know how many players have an 18-game postseason hitting streak? In history, zero, none. He has the longest hitting streak of anyone. All the vaunted Yankees, all the players, the great postseason performers, no one has a hitting streak like Marte. And he's putting it all on the line in game three, which is tonight. It is a great matchup. Max Scherzer calling all Mets fans. Where are you going to be at 8.03 p.m. tonight? You will be rooting very hard against the Texas Rangers, I assume, because you want Max Scherzer to be bad, I assume. Or maybe that's just me, though I don't think it's just me. Coke, are you rooting rooting for Arizona tonight? Can I only assume that that would make your day if Max Scherzer gets rocked? He's going against Brandon Fott, a rookie who, again, doesn't get any attention, except Brandon Fott today is a better pitcher than Max Scherzer. You're going to hear the introduction, all of the previews for the game. Three-time Cy Young Award winner Max Scherzer takes on rookie Brandon Fott. As though that is the difference in the pitchers. Here's how I would introduce tonight's game. Co-ace Brandon Fott, who survived a year of inconsistency and being optioned, who has pitched in this postseason 
like a number one starter gives his team at home a chance to take a 2-1 lead where if you win, you have a 69 nice percent chance, really nice, of winning the World Series. Watch him as he takes on number eight starter, oft injured, mostly ineffective, yet likes to be in the middle of things with his agent, Max Scherzer. That's really how you preview the game. What are you What are you going to look for tonight? I got a few things for you to look for. Number one, let me give you some uh, keys here to the Rangers winning this game. Do you know the Rangers are undefeated on the road? It's so insane. It used to be, it's supposed to be hard to win on the road. That's the object of playing your ass off all season long to get home field advantage in baseball and football and basketball and hockey, home rink advantage, home ice advantage. You want it. What was the series, Coca? Uh, it just happened this postseason. It just happened this postseason. Arizona, Philly. There wasn't one home team to win a game. Not one. Seven straight games, seven straight road wins. How quickly we can forget that was only a few days ago. Not even a week ago. The Rangers are undefeated. Oh, no, it was the Rangers-Astros series. Let me take that back. It was the Rangers-Astros series where every road team won. That was a self-correction. Coca didn't get to me. No one else got to me. That's why the Rangers are 8-0 on the road. What happened is the Diamondbacks won the last two against Philly at Citizens Bank. All right, now we're on it. Do you want to just wipe that? All right, ready? 4 8 69. One of the keys to tonight's game for the Rangers to win is that they've got to continue their road cooking. They are 8-0, undefeated on the road, having swept Houston four out of the seven games, games one, two, and six and seven in Houston to get to the World Series. What is the likelihood that they go to 9-0 on the road? That is what they need, the road cooking to continue. The other thing they need is the top of their lineup, that half a billion dollar investment, Corey Seager, as you know, hit the game tying home run in game one. He's had moments of greatness this postseason. His battery mate at second base, it's not a battery mate, his double play mate at second base, Marcus Simeon, also a receiver of that big contract. Hit side note, Coca. Could everyone please stop saying that these two teams lost over 100 games two years ago and it shows you how you can quickly rebuild? The commissioner's doing it. Everybody on the air is doing it, trying to give you an example of how great it is for two teams to lose 100 games two years ago, never before happened, and then be in the World Series two years later as a way to show the union and for the union to show the owners and the owners to show the fans, hey, you can rebuild fast. Do you know what Texas did to rebuild? They signed Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Jacob DeGrom, Nathan Avaldi, Andrew Heaney. Heaney is now basically a bullpen arm in the postseason. DeGrom is a cheerleader in the postseason. Marcus Simeon, unfortunately, is in the lineup in the postseason. But that said, they lost 100 games two years ago and they rebuilt. And now they're in the World Series. The Diamondbacks, does anyone remember the amount of money they invested in Madison Baumgartner? Do you think the union says to itself, man, I hope owners aren't paying attention. 
I hope owners aren't realizing or remembering that the signing of Madison Baumgartner was one of the great wastes in the history of money. But the Diamondbacks thought they were doing that to help their young players, to help their young pitching. Not exactly. So Simeon and Seager need to do better. Specifically Simeon. The other thing that we're going to watch for tonight, which I don't think is going to happen, but we're going to watch for it. Max Scherzer. I think he's pitched his last two postseason starts. Was game something of something and then game something of something else. I want to say it was game three against the Astros and then game seven against the Astros. And I believe that he went a third of an inning in game three, maybe two thirds, and then didn't even get out of the third inning in game seven. Or maybe it was one third of an inning in game seven and two and two thirds in game three. Whatever it is, it's under three innings and two starts. If Max Scherzer can't get you into the fifth inning, can you imagine that's all I'm asking for? Just get into the fifth inning. You don't even have to qualify for the win. Just have an arrow, like a down arrow and a five, and for him still be in the game. So he went two and two-thirds in game seven. When did he go a third of an inning, Coca? Max Scherzer, it was, it was, it was, um, Clayton Kershaw went two-thirds or a third. Remember in that start? I thought Scherzer did not. Okay. So then it wasn't. Oh, it was Christian Javier. All right. What's today? Monday? Tuesday? Thursday? Hi, I'm David Sampson. Welcome to Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Best of five. Word of the day. It's Monday, October 30th. Frikies. Diamondbacks, what do they need to do? Game one, if you were watching that four-hour game, they walked 10 batters. When you walk 10 batters, we used to have a funny game that we'd play, which this just reminded me of that game. We'd be sitting in spring training. You sit in a golf cart and you go field to field with the GM. And sometimes you walk, but mostly you're in a golf cart. And what we're really looking for from pitchers, they think we're looking for velocity. What we're really looking for is command. It doesn't impress us on the third workout of spring training to blow 95 at all. You're not making the team. And if you're on the team, you're on the team. If you're not on the team, you're not on the team. And if you're going to be a surprise, you're going to be a surprise. But it ain't going to happen in the first few workouts. But we're looking for command. Then in spring training games, what are we looking for? Not results. You can give up five runs. No problem. Command. The surest way to get optioned, we tell young pitchers, is to walk batters. Throw strikes. We would much rather see you give up hits and home runs than walks. Ten walks in game one. The Diamondbacks improved in game two and gave you one walk. That was a big factor. The Rangers got, I don't know, three hits, four hits, and were only walked one time. Hard to score a lot of runs when that's happening. So under three walks is the bet we're going to make as a key to this game. And the last one is Brandon Fott. For Scherzer, the great Mighty Max, we're only asking him to get into the fifth. For Fott, he's got to get into the sixth, an extra inning. We're going to get to the back end of the Diamondbacks' bullpen. They were spotless and then had a problem in game one, but get them back out. They weren't needed in game two. They're going to be needed in game three. 
So get Fod into the sixth and then boom, get to the back of the bullpen. Seawald is a veteran closer and he will be able to save the game. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm excited. Today, Coca told me pre-show is the sports equinox. Not that I'd be able to tell due to the weather here in the Northeast, but the equinox, there's NBA games, NHL games, there's a NFL game, and an MLB game. So I guess this is one of the few days that you get all four, and that is, that's cool. And then they included MLS playoffs because Don Garber was knocking at the door. Excuse me, excuse me, I want to be in the equinox. And Bettman was like, get the hell out of here. You're not one of the top four sports. No, no, we've got Messi. He played in six games. Get out of here. Ah, we paid him over $100 million. Get out of here. Can't you just picture Bettman and Garber duking it out to sit in the same room as Goodell and Silver and Manfred? I think that's funny, just thinking about that. Nothing personal pick of the day. We have some stuff to talk about. I told you how the World Series would go. I said the Rangers would win game two and the Diamondbacks would win game. I said the Rangers, God dang it. Three, six, nine. Nothing personal pick of the day. I said the Rangers would win game one and the Diamondbacks would win game two. We won both those picks. For whatever reason, I had the Knicks over the Pelicans on Saturday. That was stupid. We're down to two and one, but I had a chance to go three and one, and I was so excited yesterday. Off day from the World Series. I only had one pregame segment in the studio for CBS. I'm watching football, watching a bunch of great content. I had a great content weekend that you'll hear throughout the week when I review something, which of course I will do today after the break, which is not now. I'm watching the Giants-Jets game, and I'm just sad. I guess that's the only way I would say it. It was such a bad game. So many punts, no offense. Just every, it's just sad. I was looking at all the fans and thinking about the new stadium, MetLife, and what it meant when the Giants were good. I'm not sure when the Jets were good, but what a pathetic game. They went four for 34 on third down as a game, both teams. 24 punts. And for whatever reason, when we did the picks on Friday, it was Giants plus two and a half. Wouldn't you know it, the line moved to three. Wouldn't you know it, the Jets won by three, which means we lost, but the rest of the world pushed. And wouldn't you know it, that all that coach had to do, Brian Dabble. Dabble? 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 Yeah, I'm going to dabble. I'm going to dabble in your brain and wonder why you even attempted the field goal. Oh, let's get six points lead because then the Jets won't be able to score a touchdown. Wait a minute, don't we have Saquon Barkley and it's fourth and one and if you get a first down, the game's over? You kneel in a formation that even Cristobal wouldn't screw up? So we're two and two. We're 158 and 158. We're only picking one game tonight. Game three. Let's predict it. What's going to happen in the World Series? I guess what we should have done, but I haven't done the work, so I can't give it to you. It would have been funny if I'd known it had been the equinox, and then I picked a game to wager in each of the sports in the equinox, and then I could have just been dizzy on my phone, split screens, but I'm watching the World Series. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to win game three. They're going home to Chase Field. They will hand the Texas Rangers their first road loss. They will still have a great road record of eight and one. The timing will just be bad. 
Diamondbacks over the Rangers. So tomorrow at 4 p.m., are you all excited? It really doesn't get as much attention, Matt, as NBA, which doesn't get as much attention as MLB. That's the one area where I feel MLB gets more attention at its trade deadline. The used to be July 31st, now it's August 1st or August 2nd. They can choose the date every year. Tomorrow at 4 p.m. is the NFL trade deadline. And I only knew about it because I saw an article this weekend which made me laugh. Josh Harris spent $6.5 billion to buy the Commanders. He brings in Magic Johnson and that, that guy, Rails, who we don't talk about. And they're all excited. They win game one. There's a new culture. They're selling suites. They're selling corporate sponsorships. Life is so good. They put a team together. They're ready to win. And meanwhile, it has been a dumpster fire since then. The Commanders lost yesterday. They fell to three and five. The Commanders had a player come out after a recent loss and start swearing into the camera, into the microphone. I'm tired of this bleep. I'm bleeping bleep of this bleep. All we do is bleep and bleep. I'm like, well, what do you, what do you stop bleeping? What do you, what's the problem? Is it Ron Rivera? Is it Dan Snyder? He's not even there anymore. Is it Josh Harris? Is it Magic Johnson? What's the bleeping for? Anyway, it got bleeped. We don't know. But what this article said is that the commanders are going to wait to see, love that, whether they beat the Eagles. If they beat the Eagles, they're on their way. But if they lose to the Eagles, they're going to be active at the trade deadline and get rid of some of their first-round picks, like Chase Young or Montez Sweat. How does that work? Does the GM of the commanders go to Josh Harris and say, Josh, I know you're new to this sport. I know you own soccer teams and you own the Sixers and the Devils, but let me tell you how it works in football. We make our decisions based on this game. Because if we're four and four, we like our chances. But at three and five, no, we got to give up. Doesn't Josh Harris say, what are you talking about? We just lost to the best team, arguably, in the National Football League. We're only three and five. We're in a division where we should be able to beat the Giants. There's a bunch of other teams in the NFC who are mediocre. I'm not giving up in my first year of ownership. What does that say about me as an owner? Hold on one second. Let me check with all my partners. Hey, Magic, what do you think? Could you go ahead and tweet a poll? Let's X a poll. Should we be sellers at the deadline because we lost to the Eagles. Let's get everyone's opinion. It's such horse hockey to me. But it happened. They lost to the Eagles in a like 38-31. Weird that I'd remember that score and I couldn't remember the 20 other things I forgot for this show so far. So, God, my brain. 38-31 they lose. And now we're going to watch whether they make trades at the deadline? I'm going to say that the commanders are not going to make trades at the deadline. And the reason I'm saying that is I don't know how you have that press conference. I don't know when you're Josh Harris that eight weeks into your first season, you actually take the microphone and explain to your fans and to your corporate sponsors and to everyone who's invested in you for a full season that after only half the season, who would do that? Who like would move into a new stadium and after one year trade all the players? It's ridiculous. No matter how bad your season was, you can't do that. 
So I just don't think the commanders would do it because there's no basis. There's no history of a team doing that in either a new ownership or a new stadium situation. What about the Vikings? Maybe they'll be active. I wonder whether it's a coincidence, all the injuries, or if it's total recency bias. Aaron Rodgers folded up like a shade, Achilles. And now, of course, they show him throwing before every game as though that means he's close to returning. It's like saying that after you burp, you're ready to eat another 20 hot dogs. No, but you have a little room. It's nice that he's on his feet, but he's not coming back anytime soon. But maybe science will help him. Kirk Cousins did the same thing yesterday. Too bad for the Vikings. Too bad for him. It really does stink tearing your Achilles. It's terrible. When you have an injury, it's like pitchers. When you have to tell a pitcher that their ligament is torn, they sort of know. It's like when your Achilles tears, you know. Every player I've spoken to who's had a torn Achilles, you, you just know. You feel it. So Kirk Cousins knew. He'll get it confirmed today. It'll be announced, and they'll do a whole thing. But he's out for the year. They're 4-4. Four and four. You'd think that the front office now with the deadline, it's like in baseball. If you have an injury the day of the deadline, you try to replace that player if you think you're in it. The Wilf family, it's not a resource issue. Is it a delusion issue? I wonder whether or not the Chiefs are nervous and they'll be active at the deadline. You're going to have tons of whoever they are. I guess ESPN will do it. CBS will do it. I'm sure Metal Ark will have special podcasts about the trade deadline. We'll take you up to the minute. We'll be live at 4 p.m. to go through all the transactions. Who cares? Chiefs did lose to the Broncos yesterday. Did you watch that? How's this for a stat of the day? Patrick Mahomes has never lost a road divisional game in his entire career. Is that crazy? In his whole career. It's not like he's a rookie. He started in 2018. He has not lost a road game to a division opponent since he became a starting quarterback. And he finally lost to Denver yesterday which is amazing because Denver stinks. But Mahomes was sick like Jordan. Only Jordan can perform with the flu. Not everybody can. So the Chiefs and Dolphins, both Chiefs off a loss, Dolphins off a win, head to Frankfurt this weekend. We'll talk more about that at the end of the week and about what's going on there in the NFL. We've talked about the international games. One thing that you should be frustrated by, it's a big game if you're in Kansas City. And Coca, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that in Frankfurt, the Chiefs are the home team. So the Chiefs have lost a home game against the Dolphins in what could decide, in theory, with tiebreakers, who would host the AFC Championship. Very big game. What a great, great thing for the NFL, having everybody wake up early Sunday morning because we're all going to do it. Even people on the West Coast are going to watch that game in Frankfurt. You walk around... I wonder if the players, they better go to Lanstall. I hope they do. We did that when we took uh, players and Marlins mermaids over to visit troops. We stopped in Frankfurt and went to the hospital at Lanstall to visit. That's where you go when you get hurt, when you're in the arms, armed services, and you go recover there before coming back to the States. And it's right, it's right outside Frankfurt. Anyway, I don't know why that was in my head. All right, let's take a break. Ooh. One of the things I watched, series finale of Billions. We're going to talk about it. And then we're going to go back to Michigan. 
something else came out about Jim Harbaugh that you're going to find interesting because I did, and I'll make it so for you. Just hang in there. We'll be right back. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you. I got a report uh, late Friday. Thank you. All of the people who are listening and downloading this show and watching it and subscribing on YouTube, we appreciate it. We really do. Tell your friends about it. It's nothing personal with David Sampson on YouTube and davidsampsonpodcast.com. What day are we dropping the new shirt, Coca? There is a third new shirt that is being dropped. In addition, we're going to have horse hockey hoodies available in the merch store at davidsampsonpodcast.com. Someone is going to win a free new shirt because you guessed what the shirt was going to be, which is pretty cool. So look for that. I think Coca maybe I can't hear you if you're talking to me. Okay. It's the end of Billions. After seven seasons, Billions is off the air. The Paul Giamatti vehicle, Damian Lewis, who left for a year because of a, a family issue, came back for this past season. Dan Soder, Katie Nolan's fiance, a brilliant and funny man in his own right. I was watching the series finale and I got to thinking, and this is what I wanted to mention. If you haven't watched Billions at all, I would strongly encourage you. And I know that you may find sort of the later seasons were not as compelling, but I thought they were. I enjoyed every season. And this season I enjoyed not as much for the quality but I enjoyed it for just the effort. The fact that they have provided these shows for seven seasons, interrupted by COVID and all the other things. Interesting lessons about rich people, about finance, about Wall Street. But what was far more interesting to me is the lesson they were trying to impart upon you in the final season was about how much is too much because the whole show had been about how much is too much money. The whole show had been about greed, financial greed, right versus wrong, doing it the right way versus the wrong way, trying to avoid the law, trying to be the law, trying to make the law. This season, they sort of pirouetted away from, it wasn't the money that was the greed, it was the power that was the greed. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. What do rich people want? It's not too dissimilar 
to what poor people want. You'll say poor people want money, rich people want more money. What I would say is everybody would like power, the power to decide. Take it down to the granular level of your constitutional rights, the power to do what you want to do. We talk about on the show, tolerance, live and let live. That's the base that everyone should accept and everyone deserves. Everyone should receive. But then go higher. And that's when you get to absolute power. Someone, regardless of financial stature, because many politicians do not have a lot of money and don't make money till they're out of office. Some politicians are not politicians. They're just really wealthy people who want to buy themselves and successfully do because they can fund their own war chest. They can buy themselves a seat in the Senate or a seat in the House, local or even in Washington. But what if you want to be president? The last season of Billions got into a billionaire, not Axelrod, but a different one, Axe, and his desire to be president. And what happens when the people you're most loyal to all of a sudden are not loyal anymore? How do you figure out when people you work with are no longer loyal to you. There are lessons that can be imparted across every level of the corporate ladder. Because being able to read people, being able to know who is with you and who's not with you, being able to know who to listen to and who not to, being able to understand and agree when you're wrong. One of the most important aspects of being a leader is knowing when you're wrong and when it's okay to listen to somebody else. I loved Billions, absolutely loved it. If you haven't watched it, start. If you haven't watched it in three seasons, go back three seasons and watch the three seasons you haven't watched. It's not a waste of your time. Incidentally, I'm seven episodes into season two of Better Call Saul now. I'm gonna keep you updated. I'm not gonna review it till I'm done with the whole series. I'm making progress in fits and starts. And all the people reached out on davidsampsonpodcast.com and Coca, there were scores of people who told me, go, 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 you're going to love it. And so far, you're damn right. Better Call Saul's really, really, really good. All right, let's talk about Michigan. Do you know that I'm blanking right now? Could you please tell me, um, Matt, what city Michigan is? Ann Arbor. Oh, God. What time is it? 8.33 Eastern on a Monday morning. Of course, I couldn't remember Ann Arbor. I went to University of Wisconsin in Madison. I shouldn't even have to say that, but there are other University of Wisconsin's, but Madison is the best one. I never went to Ann Arbor. But people in Ann Arbor, they love it. People love Michigan. They love going to Michigan. They bleed Michigan blue, go blue. You see people wearing stuff all over. I wonder whether everyone is still supporting Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, the man of few scruples and lots of dollars. Jim Harbaugh, the, I didn't do it. I didn't even know about it. Well, Jim, you don't even know what we're talking about. It doesn't matter. Whatever you're going to accuse our program of doing, I didn't do it. So it's sign stealing. Sign stealing? Of course we don't steal signs. When I'm calling plays, I have no idea why I'm calling the plays I'm calling or why I've got the defensive formations I have or why I have the offensive formations I have. Don't be ridiculous. Those meetings that I do, those are totally legitimate recruiting meetings. I don't even know what you're talking about. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. And by the way, the NFL really wants me. So I get to negotiate with 
the board at Michigan, and I always get to tell them, you know, I'm only a couple million dollars away from leaving you high and dry and going to the NFL to reunite with my brother. Not coaching his brother's team or assistant coaching on his team, but being the head coach of another team. So it can be another Harbaugh squared Super Bowl. The original Travis Kelsey's mom. That's a reference to a Super Bowl that I believe was between two Harbaugh's. When was that? Was that by chance Ravens against Niners? I think it was. Couldn't tell you the year. But anyway, Harbaugh's in Michigan trying to skate on the most recent craziness regarding sign stealing. And then something came out this weekend. There was a report in the Wall Street Journal. Andrew Beaton. Yes, Andrew Beaton. Yes, you do know me. And Rachel Bachman. They came out with a report that was pretty interesting and funny to me. Apparently, Jim Harbaugh was this close to a contract extension. Again, if you're not a nothing person with David Sanderson YouTube channel, you're missing this. My fingers are really close together. You can't even shine a flashlight through it. He was going to get a new contract, an extension of his existing contract. Because remember the last time that he flirted with the NFL, will he or won't he? I think I had to wait to see that he would, and he didn't, so we got it wrong. So I'm a bit bitter. But he signed that five-year, like $35 million contract or something. Now, there's rumors again. Will he be offensive coordinator on Deion Sanders' staff in the National Football League? <laughs> Side note, where are you, Dion? How's your team doing? Are you still the top story in the national news? Is everyone still dropping everything to watch your games? I'm just asking for a friend. I've totally lost track of how your season's going. I assume you're in line to be the head coach of the Super Bowl champion team this February in Vegas. Whoever wins will fire their coach and hire you. That seems to make sense. You are a shooting star. Anyway, so Jim Harbaugh may decide that he wants to take a job with Dion. He may decide he wants to take a job anywhere. But a rumor came out through the Wall Street Journal, Andrew Beaton, second shout out, that you were about to get an extension and now the board has said, whoa, let's maybe hold off on that. Let's maybe wait to see how bad your punishment's gonna be. Let's quickly just see how the wind blows. Holly frickin' Lula. Finally. Finally, we won't have a situation where there's a huge fight over the buyout and over termination for cause or termination. Finally, although Harbaugh's contract goes through 26, maybe Michigan is saying to himself, you know, it's just not worth it. I don't want to placate him by giving him this extension, then being forced to fire him because of the ill winds of social media or God knows what else this guy's doing as head coach of Michigan. Let's just wait. Jim Harbaugh will say to himself, all right, wait all you want. The NCAA can decide what it wants, but I'll jump to the NFL. Smell you later. And then we find out that the NFL has said they will not be a safe harbor for Jim Harbaugh. You can't escape your punishment by going to the NFL. I really wanted to dig down and understand that. 
if you are suspended by the NCAA, that means that if you go to the NFL and you're suspended for five games by the NCAA, when you go to the NFL, the NFL then suspends you for five games? That's the equivalent of being suspended 80 games for steroids in baseball and then deciding to go be a plumber and then saying, hey, you're going to sit 80 days. Oh, that's not close enough? Let me do better. That's like saying you're being suspended in the NBA and then you go play minor league baseball and minor league baseball would say, hey, you're suspended. Oh, they must have that rule, so we might as well call it retired. I don't get that. Why would the NFL need to, want to, care to, or even think it's right to uphold and actually enforce a punishment given by the NCAA? Oh, because they're working in collaboration? They don't want to be a safe harbor? Safe harbor? That's like what countries are to each other. That's like going to Canada because you don't want to get drafted into the war. NFL says, no, not us. Our borders are closed. We're going to not make it easy for coaches to jump. It's completely absurd. You know what else is absurd? All the stuff that I and everybody else says about new stadiums. It really is. I'm sorry. Timelines, decisions. A lot of stuff's going on everywhere with new stadiums. Kansas City's trying to get one, can't decide. Tampa's trying to get one, trying to get started as quickly as they can. We talked about the Brewers renovating Miller Park, having that issue with the Senate and the House. You can go listen to an episode. I think we covered that, I don't know, a couple weeks ago about what's going on in the Senate and the House in Milwaukee. Arizona trying to parlay its World Series appearance, if not victory, into renovations in Phoenix because you know how easy it is to get stuff done in Phoenix. Not. We were highly critical with good reason. I did a lot of things wrong. I did. I admit it. Trades, signings, firings, threats. I was the president of a team. I had stuff I had to do, goals I had to achieve, thresholds I had to meet. There's one thing that I didn't like doing. In Montreal, we held a press conference where we showed renderings of a new stadium, where we talked about a new stadium, and we did it as a way to drum up interest, to hope to get people buying tickets to Olympic Stadium, hope to get money from the province, hoping to get money from the city of Montreal, hoping to build on a project that had been stops and starts for, at that time, six years maybe longer. I wasn't happy because when we announced stuff, when I announced stuff, I wanted to be firm. I mean like blue pill kind of firm. Tampa did this announcement and the way they announced it is finally, after 10 years, we have a stadium deal in St. Petersburg. The Tampa Bay Rays are staying in Tampa Bay. Oh, no, I can't say that. The Tampa Bay Rays are staying in St. Petersburg. Everyone assumed that's a done deal. Everyone knows you're having a stadium issue. Well, why? What's the announcement for? And then it came out that they didn't even have the votes yet. 
They hadn't gone to the city council. They hadn't figured out what to do with the mayor. None of that was done except to say, hey, the mayor will get it done. So then, last week or this weekend, the he's called the co-president, Brian Ald. I assume he's co-president with Matt Silverman. Matt Silverman, not easy, was the president, then he was the GM, then the president. Great guy, very hard to do all those jobs, unless it's not. So Brian Ald had a speak as they try to get votes and try to get this deal passed to actually have a stadium. And here's where Tampa is. They said that they need to get all government approvals by March of 2024. And that's the only way to open their ballpark in April of 2028. And it's a $1.3 billion ballpark. Just a little math. Marlins Park was done on budget, on time, with a construction schedule of roughly 36 months. Three years. If you want, and that's construction. If you want to open in April of 2012, you need to start in April of 2009, roughly. We broke ground, I believe, and started construction, and we got it done on time. What Tampa's would have you think is that they need the government approvals by March of 2024 in order to open in April of 2028, but that's not accurate. They want the approvals, but the timeline doesn't work. You could start construction and on a, pretend it's a full retractable roof facility. In theory, you can start in April of 2025. But there's so much work that gets done prior to actual rebar. You have to go through design development. You have to go through the construction document phase. You have to get the site ready. You have to clear the site, do environmental, get it ready. It's like getting out the ingredients, putting them on the kitchen counter, and counting that as your prep time. If you want to count it as prep time, that's fine. Generally, when I say what's the prep time to make an egg, I'm not including opening up the refrigerator. I probably don't even include cracking the egg, but let's just say that I would. A stadium is not too dissimilar. There's so many things you do that are the equivalent of opening the fridge. That's like saying making the list of what I'm going to buy to cook is part of the prep time. It's part of the process. That was a Canadian reference for all of you who thought the team was going to do a split city solution in Montreal. Not. It may be part of the process, eating the pasta, but it's not the construction timeline. So if you're going to say what needs to be done by when, you can give it to us straight. That's totally fine. The politicians know the deadline. You know the deadline, and you also know what work you can be doing in preparation before you have the final votes. We were doing plenty for Marlins Park before we had the final, 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 because we knew we were going to get the final, final, final. I'll give you a wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. If it does, we'll revisit it. If it doesn't, we'll revisit it. The Tampa Rays will not break ground by March of 2024 because they don't need to break ground by March of 2024. It's just business. See you tomorrow. This is nothing personal.